Hey guys, welcome to MarTech Masters. I'm Gabriel Marguglio, CEO of Nexony Marketing and your host. Please remember to subscribe to get updates on our latest episodes. In this episode, we interviewed our friend and tech partner, Steve Pokros, CEO of Burblio and host of the Burblio Show podcast. We had Steve as a guest last season and we're so excited to have him back. During our talk, Steve gave us the full scoop on The Verbally Show, why he started it, and what he's learned from it, being more intentional in creating and connecting with like-minded leaders, and of course, his hobby-itis, his dreams of being a Brazilian rock star, and his national ultimate frisbee ranking. You don't want to miss this one. Enjoy! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Martech Masters. I'm here with my friend Steve Pockers from Verblio. He's the CEO of Verblio, and I'm very excited to have you back on season two of Martech Masters. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. It's great to be back. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So we, this is again, you're back here, and uh, I love that you're back. Uh, we're talking a lot more about passion and brand affinity marketing uh, on Martech Masters, but. You know, before we start with that, when you came in last time, you know, it was the beginning of the pandemic. We were talking about how companies were adapting their content strategies and you you had incredible uh, tips for companies and agencies out there on how to reuse and save money and save resources. And that was great. Um, tell us a little bit of what happened in the last, you know, eight, 10 months uh, for you and your, your company. And also, you know, have you seen any trends moving forward, different things changing? You know, are still people trying to do that or have you seen things coming back to normal? And as part of that question, I know you guys are bootstrapped. So did that help uh, in the middle of a pandemic? You know, how, how has it been for you guys? That is a lot of questions, Gabrielle, and a lot has happened. Was it just last year? It feels like a century. I know. I, uh, I think it was five years ago, right? That's, that's what we can agree on. The, the one thing I was looking back and I, and I see my, uh, my face on your, the MarTech master screen, I can see just how long my hair was at that time. And then I know exactly where we were in the pandemic when we didn't think we could get haircuts anymore. <laughs> um, so things that have happened since then uh, on the business side um, and on kind of like on the bootstrapping effect on the business side, we've seen, so basically things were kind of, we, we, uh, I think we were talking back in April or May and things just really dropped. We had a lot of um, fear and trepidation of what was going to happen in the marketing world, especially for a lot of agencies working with some of the most affected verticals mm -hmm. uh, and things really dropped. We saw about 15 to 20% drop in April and May. Since April and May, our business is up 40%. Um, so I think it's really emblematic. Hopefully it's some of the things that we're doing well, but I know that we're riding a very good wave too. We're at the intersection of some really good trends, which is uh, digital marketing is one of the, the only channels to get in front of your audience possible. People are absorbing more content than ever. So it's a great time to pr be producing content. We have a model that's unique, that's focused on how do you maximize the power of freelancers uh, and freelancer market has skyrocketed. I think Fiverr is up like 700% over the last year, which is, I need to figure out how to get some of that. But <laughs> at the same time, uh, we're riding that good wave. And then marketing agencies are doing much better from the initial scare. Um, so we've had a really nice rise uh, and really feel extremely fortunate given this time when so so many others are not as fortunate to, to be in those good spaces. The, the big trends that we're seeing is that the guys who 
know that they're in it for the long haul are investing more and more in content. So what we see is the rise of medium-sized clients becoming really big clients. The spend amount per client is going up a lot. Um, so I think that's one of the, the big trends. The second big trend is everyone knows they need to get smarter about what type of content they write. Mm -hmm. So it's becoming... Because all of us are talking about how content is one of the most effective ways to fuel your marketing engine, there's more and more competition out there. So you have to stand out more. So you have to be smarter about what you write about. You have to have writers who are more versed in what you're talking about. And then what we were talking about last time, which was using more multimedia and in repurposing of your content to video and to podcasts and back and forth. That's that's awesome. So, so, um, so the trends are people are getting smarter at using content and people that are doing business correctly, they're recognizing that they, they need to create more and different types of content too, right? I think so. Um, so we're seeing a lot more of the, a lot more growth from companies that were already doing content that are going much bigger in content than mm -hmm. we are from newbies who are just trying to get into the game and figuring out SEO for the first time. Definitely. Um, the type of content is still similar to what we talked about last time, which is a lot of repurposing of content, which is uh, doing SEO refreshes. So not starting your same piece, take your best practice from before, repurposing or adding more en engagement into your content, turning them into videos like our new video product, taking a podcast that you might be on and turning that into a written summary that has, that just goes beyond what the previous uh, summary did you want to read it something that's more engaging which we are also offering so we see a lot of movement in those in those directions and then truthfully still just a ton of the hardcore like the blogs that have always worked no matter how boring it is when we poll our top agencies and what they're doing 98 percent of them still say blogs is their most effective channel so while those are the new cool things blog first and then explore the new that's awesome. That's awesome. So of course, uh, we're very excited to to dive into passion and and how you're passionate about business. That's one of our themes uh, on season two, like I said. Uh, but before we go into passion in business, tell us what you're passionate about in life. Do you have any hobbies? We know we lo you love music. You play the guitar. You're a super fun guy to be. Again, you love reading. Um, in your own show, you ask these questions. What are some of the some of the hobbies that you have, or what are other things that you do in your personal life on a regular basis? So uh, I do probably way too much in order to. Uh, um, I have hobbyitis. I'm a little too obsessed with my hobbies and how much I enjoy doing so many of them. So one of them follows the uh, what you talked about. I, I still my goal in life is to become a Brazilian rock star. <laughs> uh, I have two main things against me: the Brazil part and the rock star part. But I'm making progress on both. So uh, I practice a lot of music. I joined a band uh, during COVID for the very first time. Nice. I've always played acoustic guitar by myself. And so now I'm in a, a meta modern country band, which is like a Americana rock, uh, playing electric guitar for the first time and singing. That's my newest passion of choice. And I'm practicing like crazy. Um, I do a ton of sports. I do telemark skiing and ultimate frisbee and squash and all sorts of random stuff like that. Uh, I read a ton. I'm just too curious about too many things and I'm trying to get over that so I could focus a little bit more. Uh, and then I, uh, I have two boys and uh, we do a lot of really fun stuff together. Uh, they're nine and 13 uh, and they are, man, what can't they do at nine and 13? 
Definitely, definitely. They can do it all, and they have all the energy in the world. Uh, interesting that you join a band. That I, I've been thinking about it. How do you do this through COVID? So are you guys connecting online and doing that online, or, or did you join like a personal band? We're not. So it's actually, it's a... So how do you join a band is a real good question. So my uh, my newest guitar teacher, I, I told him, he asked me what my goals are, like any good consultant or any good marketing agency. And I told him my goal was to eventually be able to be able to play in a band. And he said, the only reason you can't play in a band is because you've never played in a band, which really reminds me a lot of like how I talk about becoming a CEO. The only <laughs> way to become a CEO is to be a CEO. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he puts together kind of like, two month groups every week we meet and uh, he picks out four songs. There's a bass player, drummer, three guitar players. He calls it Leonard Skinner style. Uh, and then he basically is like having a band, but having a coach while doing it. That's awesome. Um, and so now we've kind of gone rogue and we're practicing on our, on our own. And hopefully one day we actually get to play in public somewhere. That's uh that's very, very interesting. You also mentioned that you lived you, again, you, you, you want to continue to grow on the Brazilian side of things. You lived in Chile and Brazil, right? I did. How, how do you think that impacted your life? I know, again, I was, I was originally from Argentina. Uh, so I lived a long time in Argentina and that definitely impacted my life, but I'm from Argentina. How did that impact you and your life? Do you think that you absorb some of the passion of, you know, the the crazy South American passion about football, which is soccer, by the way, and music and everything in between? Um, do you think that impacted your life in any way? I don't think you can live two years in foreign countries and not have it impact your life in a really, really big way. Um, so I definitely do. Um, you know, before you move to a country, you choose to go to that country. So a lot of those were tendencies that were built up. But what are some of the big things that I picked up when I coming back? So I think the first one, I'm going to try to come up with like the, the non-intuitive things that and if you haven't lived in a country, you don't really realize, which is in order to live in someone else's country, it's not yours. And so if one of the most important aspects of leadership is stepping in somebody else's shoes uh, frequently, and that's one of the most important things for any good relationship or for communications, there's 150 million people in Brazil and they are right about their culture. I am not. So I just have to, uh, I, it's, you have to live in that mode where other people are right and you're trying to understand them all of the time. So I think like there's something really important about having to understand someone else's culture and someone else's language all the time. I think the other thing is having your brain totally engaged. You can't go out in a foreign country and go buy buy you know, a bowl of acai and a pão de queijo, the Brazilian cherry cheese bread, without turning on your brain. You have to think of how it goes. You know, American would always say please and thank you like five times. And if you say that in Brazil, they're just, you're annoying the crap out of them. That is not how they talk. And so you have to be thinking about the language, about the, the, um, the physical gestures and um, the nuances all the time. And it's really great to have your brain involved. And then the passion piece, man, you know, the, the excitement about life, I think, is really important. But the thing that I think of most when I think of Brazil, and it's really different from Chile, and if you go to two countries, then you really have a compare and contrast, mm-hmm. um, is sitting down at restaurants where they have larger tables where you're expected to go out and sit with other people that you don't know versus the American concept of your your entire life is 
predetermined for a social event. You're going to go out. It's going to be a two couples. You're going to talk about the same thing. You're each going to go through your work update, and then you're going to go home. And that's going to be at the exact time. You know what you're going to order and what you're going to do and what time you're going to go home ahead of time. And Brazil, that sense of you're out there to try to meet somebody else. Uh, all social instances. I mean, in the old days, I look forward to them coming back again. Could the potentials are endless, but it's like you're you're trying to create new possibilities, which I think is really powerful and cool. And I hope that we uh, we here in the U.S. adopt more of that. That's awesome. And and you know, going back to the business side of things, you know, I know you're a passionate person. I know you're a passionate CEO. You're always, you know, you're building an amazing brand. You are trying to help marketers. That comes from a place of passion. Uh, do you think that impacted again living on those countries and and your history there impacted the way you run your business and is passion important in business i think i think passion is important in growth businesses i think it's not particularly important if you're if you're in a stable maintain it just keep the lights on it's going to keep you keep delivering a service somebody else keeps buying it from you if you want to grow you have to do something new and if you want to do something new you have to be excited about it and so passion really helps you in two ways it helps you one attract an audience because people want to be with passionate people uh, and the second is it gives you the extra energy to drive forward because in order to do something new requires a lot more energy and in order to get all those things done, you're going to have to have a lot more energy and you're going to have to rev up the people around you to keep doing it with you. Now, going from passion to building that brand that we were talking about before, you know, you've, you've put a lot of effort in the past years. You rebranded the company. Verblio is now the brand. And, and you're doing a lot of different efforts, not just written efforts, but you're, you have your own show and you're doing the podcast. So tell us more about that. Why did you decide to move from chess creating, and I know you guys started offering video and started offering all these things. When was that decision made and, and why did you make it to start doing a podcast and a video series? And then we can talk a little bit about how that is impacting the brand, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I think, so going through the rebrand process was really fascinating. So the first thing you're, your rebrand team does. So if uh, we hired one of, my, one of my old friends from San Francisco for my ultimate Frisbee team named Ozzy, uh, who is amazing. And the first question he asks you is, what are the values and purpose of your company? And so no matter what you do, like your content is gonna come from that, your strategy is gonna come from that and your brand is gonna come from that. And so the most important thing is to establish those things first, then you bring on the people who fill those values and then you try to build a brand around it. So I didn't know what we were gonna do with this brand. Uh, the other really interesting thing that he told me when we started is we chose this name Verblio that didn't exist and which has no meaning. And so we're all choosing between three meaningless names and they, who cares? And he said, the point is you choose one that's going to be your empty vessel and you're going to fill that with who you are and your messaging and what you stand for. And you, it's your job to make Verblio mean something. And that was really kind of a call to action and also really an interesting way to look at it. So when we go to the videos and the podcast and a bunch of the other choices we've made along the way, they were all opportunistically looking at what are the best practices now and which one of those should do we feel like we can do well so you're looking at kind of three things with every new marketing channel you're looking at who's your target audience what can i do to uh, that to offer something unique to them either on the messaging side or on the product side and what do i like to do like what am i going to get super passionate about so i can do it well freaking love talking to really smart people about their ideas and great things that can inspire me. I'd rather do that than anything. 
there's a big space in the podcast world for kind of marketers who are in between the, how did I get funding and take my company public and the deep down, how do I run my email campaign? So that was a really nice kind of liberal arts place for me to be. And on the audience side, marketers are some of the most curious, interested people in the world. So I had a really easy opportunity. If I can provide something that's really educational and entertaining, then, uh, then I get a nice sweet spot for myself. So it's a pretty fun Venn diagram. That's awesome. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the Verbally show and what it is about so people know and can go check it out and click on this link right there to, uh, to watch the episodes and listen to the podcast, right? Cool. I appreciate that. And I hope you guys do. Uh, we will, we're working on rebranding the podcast right now too. The, the way we started it, and I'll start with what we started and where we are now. We started as an urgent response. We have access to a thousand amazing digital marketers every month of sharing their best practices at the beginning of the pandemic. I was talking to three people a week. Thank you very much for being one of the very first people that I called. And, um, getting, you know, offering free guidance to anybody that is looking for it on how to respond to the crisis. Uh, and then I morphed into this is a great opportunity to actually do what I've wanted to do the whole time, which is start that podcast. And so what it is really now is kind of like a renaissance liberal arts approach to marketers. And mm -hmm. the big concept is I want to provide interesting stories of where the background of the person came from and kind of like how they got there. How did you come up with your interesting ideas? And then what's the one source of marketing guru ninja power that you have that you can share? And I think one of the things that's always inspired me is I read along the way that most Nobel prize winners come from uh, applying something that was learned in a different field to their field. And I feel like great marketing inspiration can come from absolutely anywhere, but it's never going to come from listening to marketers say exactly what they've done. You're going to have to put together your own piece of inspiration. So if I can put enough of that out there and provide something tangible about how they bring it to life, uh, I can give some other great marketers out there a chance to be inspired as well. That's awesome. And again, sharing the, the spotlight with other people and promoting them at the same time that you promote your own brand it creates this community around it, which I, I love. That's why we do this, right? Like that's uh, the power of the podcast, the power of the video series is, is such a community creating, not just audience, I mean community, which is engaging and connecting and helping each other, right? It is the, it is the convergence of where content marketing started which is providing quality content that people are interested in at the level that they want, at the, at the way they want to engage with it, with strategic partnerships, which is, we talked a little bit about uh, last time as well, mm -hmm. which is the whole concept of partnerships used to be, well, hey, can I sell to your list? Can you sell to my list? And then the next step was, all right, well, we like each other enough. Let's write a guest post that was like super formal. didn't sound like either of you. And now you just jump in and say, we really like each other as an organization. We think your people like mine. Let's help them help figure it out. And if we can provide value to them, then it just keeps growing. That's awesome. What do you think is the impact in your brand uh, that you see from these efforts? Can you measure? We, you know, we always talk to business owners, marketing managers and directors, you know, even sales directors that are trying to do video and video series. And there's always that question, how do we measure success? How do we connect the dots between, you know, creating a community and an audience and engaging with entertaining and educational content and money coming to the business? Do we actually need to connect these two things? Like as a CEO, what do you, what do you think the value of the video series 
is? Man, I love that question. So if you're as old as I am, and you are, um, you've been through a lot of marketing trends in your day. And so you've been asked this about 10 different channels. You've been asked this like since the beginning of your career, every marketer who had to go in front of a finance person and defend yourself, whatever is new is the most powerful. Mm-hmm. That's the way to reach people the most cost effectively with the highest impact with the least amount of effort. And it's also the least measurable. So my two favorite quotes in this area are Rand Fishkin's Basically, he says, you know, there's an inverse correlation between the impact of a channel and the ability to attribute it. And then the other one is uh, Gary V's video, which is, what's the ROI of your mother? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the link up there. I love that one. So, uh, yeah. Which, uh, it, which is how- basically like, it is like immeasurable value. And so that's like the, the tongue in cheek version. The way that we see that coming in is very hard to m- measure in numbers. The number of people who reference having listened to the podcast, um, coming in through all the channels. So our, my head of HR hears it when they're hiring people who they say, hey, I really want to work for Verblio. I heard your podcast. I listen all the time. Sales pod, um, you know, candidates come, or sorry, not candidates, uh, um, prospects come in the door and we say, how did you find us? And they say, we got referred by blank. And then they say, and then I listened to your podcast and then I really wanted to work with you guys. And that's what I want to hear. Um, and it's super hard to measure. And then you basically say, well, if one, is it one out of 10 people actually tell me that who listen? I don't know. Uh, the way to measure it is these horrible metrics like downloads, which nobody actually downloads podcasts anyway. So it doesn't help you. Um, so I don't know. Uh, all I know is it's, uh, it reminds me a lot of old school brand marketing when we were comparing back in business school, direct marketing, where you're selling something directly, you can measure every campaign versus brand, but once you stop doing brand, everything falls apart. Definitely. So definitely. And we we we've seen the same thing, even though we are in the business of doing both, right? Like measuring everything through HubSpot, through Wistia, through everything we do, we try to m- create metrics and and be data driven, but also very creative and and engaging and 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 educating, but entertaining. So brand related, brand affinity uh, related. So even though we try and we do have metrics, you know, we have connected the dots between videos being played and people closing at a higher rate, that kind of stuff can be done. But it, I, I love your answer because it isn't as, you know, connected as people think it is. And that connection could hurt you because you will think that, oh, okay, if we are not closing more leads that came from this source, then we should stop when consistency and keep going it's the most important thing that you should do in these efforts. So the, 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 the tip for everybody out there is keep going. It will be impactful in your brand. My follow-up question is, do you think small businesses could also create an impact in their brand um, when they're doing these kind of efforts? I do think so. Um, so I think if you do something consistently with quality, that's the way you need to do any marketing channel. Uh, it's just as true for podcasts. It's just as true for any type of content. Uh, you let one of those two drop and you're not going to get very many clients. So, uh, I think it's powerful for a small business as well. I think everyone has their niche audience and people will find you. And I think, I think the benefits of podcasting in particular are just now we're just scratching the surface. Like I don't like, so, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I track a heck of a lot more. So I have at least 60 of them in my, in my 
you know, my feed, I'm sure you do too. Mm -hmm. And you scroll through them and there's, it's humanly impossible to listen to all of them. You can't like my show enough to listen to all of my content. And um, I feel that way about most of them, but I'm going to look through every single day and I'll see that brand impression. And I'm going to see MarTech Masters there. And I'm going to be like, that's who Gabrielle is talking today. Maybe I should check out that person, maybe at least five minutes. Maybe I should know more about them. And I'll be like, you know, that's not my topic or I'll come back to it. But I'm reminded of you. I remind, I'm reminded that you brought me something and offered me something for free that could be of clear interest to me. And what's the value of that? It's a free impression that's in somebody else's feed and their personal time. Yeah, and, and, and as Wistia talks about it all the time, it's brand affinity marketing is all about people spending time with your brand. If they spend that, even that minute connecting with your brand, that's another minute that they connected and that they know your brand is there for them, creating things that are entertaining and educating and, and useful and impactful for them. And all of a sudden they find something that they really like and that creates a bigger, even uh, an even bigger impact, but also they can talk about it and bring more people. And that's the community effect that, that it creates. So what are some of the common mistakes maybe that you guys have recognized from doing it um, and creating the show uh, and, and, that you have seen out there that brands are not doing it right or, or they're doing it right, but they're still making these specific mistakes. So first of all, I want to do, I want to give credit because you just referenced how I quoted Chris Savage from Wistia, which I did. And I didn't even realize that that idea came from him. I think that's part of the joy of this. Like you don't even know where your ideas come from. (laughs) Um, That was definitely directly imported from him. And I, uh, I, I would like to give him my, uh, my footnote. Um, (laughs) The uh, things people are uh, doing wrong in the space, I think are exact are, um, I think there are a couple things. One is you're not looking at those three Venn diagrams. You're not look what I talked about before, which is like, who's your target audience? What can you offer them differently? And what are you passionate about? I think more, most of the big mistakes come from what should I be doing? If I, and I think, you know, as an agency, I'm an agency, I should always talk about the three things I do. I should only talk about how to do better SEO, only talk about PPC, and just like go through those three things and then you only interview other agencies that talk about the exact same thing look for your you know look for what's going to make it different what are people not talking about in that area and you know there are so many things that a small business needs to go to to learn to do in order to manage it and they're the ceo with so many fewer resources so give them something cool for free who did you get to talk to last week that they didn't get to talk to uh, I interviewed my executive coach on ours. I talked to a diversity, equity, and inclusiveness, uh, you know, uh, top-end consultant. All of these voices are critical in order to run a great marketing company. So what's your what's your niche? That's Where do you awesome. want to stand out? That's awesome. So um, but one thing that actually uh, love about the Verblier show is that you're very specific with your questions. You're, you're asking personal questions. Uh, my question to you is, do you have the same questions over and over or is there intention there? Do you do you do research for every episode? How, how does how do you come up with those questions for each uh, each guest? We are deeply, deeply intentional, and I highly recommend that everyone else be deeply intentional with yours as well. It's OK to repeat questions, but you should i put in anytime a guest is coming on my show i will put in at least five hours consuming their content if they wrote a book i'm going to read the book i want to ask them questions they've never 
never been asked before. I want every guest to tell me that they're so excited to be here because no one has ever asked them these questions before, which happened to me twice last week with two pretty big time MarTech superheroes. Uh, it made me deeply proud. It gets them excited. It gets them to want to introduce other people of their caliber into your show. And it gets your audience interested as well because they can hear that excitement you know, when they're going through their same talking points again, some of these guys that are keynote speakers at giant marketing conferences, they get asked the same thing again and again. So what's your twist? And then the last piece is I'm doing this because I'm interested. I, I'm deeply curious about them. I'm not trying to just do it because of my own. I, I want to ask things that I want to know about and people will feel that if you're interested as well. That's awesome. Uh, and then we do have some go-to like formulas of best practice questions that we're like, this one could fill in, but this is how we're going to do it differently this time. Nice. Nice. I love that. I love that. Making it personal, make it, make it a special. So also that it sometimes is even hard to find, um, an interview from someone that you're trying to like, uh, we do the research too, and it's hard to find an interview where they ask different questions. Every interview seems to be the same thing and the same formula, or maybe you have an interview that was more, more specific about this or that, but the questions are pretty much the same over and over again. It's like, how did you start and why are you a CEO and, and how's the company going and why should we create content, right? Like over and over the same questions. I love that you guys do so much research and it, it shows. Uh, and that that probably is showing on your views and on your downloads and and on people talking about watching the show and wanting to work with you. That is that is that. awesome. And you do, uh, and you do as well. And I, I know thank you. Do. Thank you. I appreciate that, that uh, we're doing a little love fest here and sending love to each other because we we definitely love each other. So uh, we've talked a little bit about Verblio, but I want to give you the opportunity to explain a little bit of why marketers should check Verblio. Verblio, by the way, if you don't know, is one of our best partners out there. We create a ton of content for our customers and Verblio does that for us. We have our own editors and, and, and content creators and we, we actually write a lot of the content. But something that you've said many times, I, I, I watched you in interviews, it's like, okay, you have a great writer, take that writer, make him an editor, her an editor, and then hire you know, 20 people uh, underneath that can create a lot of content and then you add layers of, of, of content. So Verblio has been instrumental to our growth because we keep adding customers and keep adding the amounts and types of different content that we create and Verblio writes that for us and then we can deliver amazing content because of it. But did I miss anything from what Verblio is and why should people check it out, especially marketers and of course marketing agencies? Cool. Uh, again, I appreciate the love fest as well. And until we can hug in person, we'll just stick with that. <laughs> um, and thank you for being a client. I think, you know, what we try to do at Verblio is we, we think of content as the fuel of the modern marketing kind of engine mm -hmm. and that it is really hard to get quality fuel. And so the old challenge was, you know, how do I keep my lights? Like there's the basics of content. How do I keep the lights on a few blogs a week? To me, that's not the interesting. The interesting thing is how do I give marketers a tool that they've never had before, which is for us, high quality content at scale for any niche. And those three things together, any two of those things isn't, isn't quite as hard, but all three of those things together is very challenging. Mm -hmm. And so how do we do that? And we really rethought them. We thought about two things differently. We thought about the model differently, which is we put together a freelance marketplace of highly curated writers where we have a really kind of elite pool. We want to be that premium brand and we 
uh, and we will behave accordingly. And then we put that together with best practices and staffs, where if you know one work type better than anybody else for us, it's content creation. Mm -hmm. How can you pull these two things to be able to power something like high quality content at scale? And so together we put those, we, we did that, and then we added a high focus on the digital marketer, especially marketing agencies who uh, are trying to manage like something unique. How do you get a competitive advantage for someone like yourself who thinks, you know, I could give my clients a big advantage over anybody else in their industry if I could just create 50 pieces a month for them, if I could just do it with video, if I could just do it without my own team and your team would do more, more of the account management for me. And so uh, we built this platform specifically for marketers who want to work in that fashion. That's awesome. And you keep adding services too. It's not just blogs. Um, you've been building on pillar pages and topic clusters and helping on that side and be doing longer form. And you can help with, you know, website pages because that's another thing that people don't think about. It's not just blogs. You do so much more. But now you're adding videos and podcast trans uh, transcriptions and other services do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and why that's happening and how is that uh, evolving in your in your company? Yeah, I think the big industry, the industry trend that we're trying to set is moving away from a catalog approach to creating content, which is you show up and you're like going through Costco and you're like, I'll have one of those and I'll have <laughs> two of those. And like your whole goal is to create dinners for yourself and have them be easier to make, but you're just lost inside a giant grocery store and ours. We want it to be a lot more productized and subscription oriented, like a blue apron that delivers it to your door and you're just doing the last, you know, the last 10% to get it done. Uh, and so the way that we think that the industry should move and that we're trying to move it is by adding more productization, more product marketing to it, which is each one of these uh, website creation, video creation for content are all part of you need to have specific expertise. It's not always that different from some of the other products, but the people you know have to understand how that's different. It's not just a checklist of, I'd like this to be a blog, I'd like this to be a press release. So we keep looking for what's the most impactful. We ask kind of the top marketers out there all the time, like yourself, what is, you know, what should we be focusing on? What are you doing that's making an impact? Because that's what I'm going to be working on next. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and we've seen with the, our partnership how that has been growing uh, with with us and for us uh, and our customers, for example, the the reusing content has been amazing and we can actually do this with Verblio. We don't even need to do it internally. We can just provide, you know, three blogs and create a pillar page or provide these blogs and update them with new things. And that has been incredible help uh, to have those resources. And sometimes we are like, okay, do you, do you need help with blogging? Contact Verblio. I know some agencies don't want to talk about these things. And uh, we recently actually posted our top 10 HubSpot integrations out there. And you guys are in the top 10, of course, uh, because you're a great partner and you have a great integration. Uh, but we also want to talk about it because when you have a great resource, then the agency can or the digital marketer can dedicate their time to what they're truly great, the strategy, the creation of a video or the, whatever it is that they need to create an impact and not the writing and the hours that it takes to actually do the research and put it together. So thank you for that. And, and, and I want to encourage everybody to check Verlview because they do it differently. It's not just, you know, a bunch of people that write whatever and they get it done and they send it. There's quality checks and we get amazing content from them. There's always a process that you need to find and the best way to communicate. Uh, and, and our tip is always the more you give the writer, 
the better the content becomes, right? So don't just send three bullets and expect, expect Shakespeare. Send a video and an explanation and a brief with keywords and subtitles and, and, and what you actually know how to do. That's, that's your job. Your job is a strategy. And then you'll get 10 times better content. Do, do you agree with that? Have you seen uh, anything uh, regarding that and the quality of content out there? Do I agree with all those compliments about Verblia? <laughs> I do. Yes. Do you agree? <laughs> <laughs> I, do. Um, I just adding on to that. I know outsourcing content is hard. You just, you just refer to it like it's a complicated process. If this was easy, somebody else would do it. We think we make it. We, we think we found a better mousetrap that makes it better. And I, even if you've been hurt before, and I've realized that many of you out there have, uh, I welcome you to try it. We think we've, uh, we try to make it as easy as possible for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. So Steve, uh, we want to add as much diversity. Of course, after 2020, this has been something that we've thought for a long time. And we've learned that diversity is not just hiring these people or those people. It's also on everything you do, the books you read, the podcasts you listen, the guests you bring. So do you know of anybody that we should be following? Someone that's that's not not only promoting diversity, but diverse people that we can bring to the show or we can tell people right now to go follow and listen to their podcast. Anybody doing interesting things out there? Man, so many people doing so many interesting things. So I think we're at a really interesting point to talk about this because we, you know, with the with the racial injustice kind of escalation of awareness this mm -hmm. summer. And uh, I think we were all on it then. And my podcast in particular had a lot more focus then than now. I'm trying to reboot that now and make it kind of like an ongoing part of the series. It's so easy to just hit it when it's a hot spot. Mm -hmm. um, so one of my favorite people out there uh, who we had on the show is Dr. Tolanda Tolbert. And she has a company called Escalera. She's a diversity, equity, inclusiveness. Uh, wow professional consultant for many, many years, and she built it into a platform to offer to larger companies uh, as awesome. well. So check that out, E-S-K-L-A-L-E-R-A. -E um, and I'm working on bringing a couple other kind of top people back uh, to, as well that I've heard join. I'm trying to get Xavier Ramsey on the show, who is absolutely amazing. And uh, I'm just bringing, making it less kind of DEI consultants and more diverse marketers out there, which I try to do as an ongoing basis. And, you know, you can see all those, uh, uh, all those faces and voices on our, on our show, but we try to make that a, like, if our entire focus is you bring in different voices, you learn about different things and that's where inspiration comes from, then it's really important to have diversity. This isn't a nice to have. We're not doing this because, wow, this is really trendy, but because this is where diverse ideas come from. I agree. I agree 100%. It's, uh, it's always been in our minds when we hire with, you know, have women, have voices. Like we've always been thinking about these things, but as you said, there is, there is something very powerful that happens when we connect with different people. We can hear different stories and learn from them and get inspired and get other ideas that we didn't think because we all think that we live the same life and we don't, right? Perception is everything, Perception is reality. So why are we not listening to other realities that are out there? Uh, so I, I, I like that you guys are making it a, a something that, that you think about and that you're actively doing it. 
we are doing the same. And thank you for sharing some of those names. We'll include them in the blog as resources, and we'll continue to share as much as possible diverse stories out there and bring more diverse um, guests to the show. Anything else, Steve? This has been awesome. Every time we talk, that we could talk for 15 hours, and I love doing that. And thank you for being again on the show and spending time with us and sharing so much uh, with everybody. Uh, anything else you want to share? I... I have a, <laughs> one of the things you asked me at the beginning, you told me you might ask me about favorite books, favorite movies, favorite things of that nature. And I was just thinking about it. And every one of them, I had this answer, which was like, I can only tell you what's a recent favorite because I just, when you have kids and you rewatch the movies from the 1980s that you thought were your favorites, you were wrong. Your <laughs> perception of your past is absolutely wrong. So, uh, so I have a bunch of recent favorites and things of that nature, but I thought that was a pretty funny learning that came from you asking me the question. Definitely. There's always, there's always the last one. Like I, I agree with you. We, I would tell you ready player two, because I'm reading that right now. So, uh, go, go read that. Uh, Since you said, uh, are you reading anything interesting right now that we should know about? Uh, I'm, I'm always reading something interesting and it's not because I'm so interesting. It's because I'll put it down if it's not interesting. <laughs> so um, the best book that I just read recently is West with the Night by, uh, by Beryl Marduk. Did I get that name right? It was uh, 1940s or 1920s and 30s. She was a pilot in Kenya and one of the first across the Atlantic and writes just the most beautiful. It's, it is moving and you just feel every... She's a gorgeous writer doing some of the most interesting things in history. And that was just fantastic. And the, let's see the, the, the nonfiction that I was most, I always have one of each going and so I just read 10% happier by Dan Harris, which is like a super interesting way to get into uh, the concept of meditation by a deep skeptic. Who's also hyper hyperactive and doesn't believe in it whatsoever. And how he was uh, won over. He's a famous reporter from ABC and uh, that one really had a, I think that one's going to stick with me for a while. That's awesome. I'll check it out. I'm 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 really into meditation and and raising consciousness levels and stuff like that. So I'll definitely check it out. Thank you, Steve. This conversation, like I said, could continue for another three hours, but we probably need to go back to uh, to our regular lives and business and families, and, and that is also great. But I want to say thank you again, not only from being a great partner and, and, and provider of amazing content for our agency and our customers, but also a, a good friend and always, always a fun guest at Martech Masters. Thank you for coming again. Gabriela, it's an absolute pleasure. It's always good to talk to you. All right, Steve, take care and stay safe, okay? Bye-bye. You too. Thanks for joining us for another episode of MarTech Masters. Make sure to visit our website at nextinymarketing.com to watch the series or subscribe to our podcast to be the first to check out our newest episodes. If you enjoyed our content, please leave us a review or rate our show on your podcast app. 